Thank you, Alan. Good morning. <laughs> a well-told story is a beautiful thing, isn't it? When I was in college, I worked at a summer camp, Camp Manitoba in Frankfurt, Illinois. We had a day camp and an overnight camp, and um, every evening that we were in the cabins with our kids at night in the overnight camp, we would share devotions with them. We called it evening devos. And almost every week of that summer, the first story that we would tell on the first night of summer camp was the story of creation. So I have a picture from that summer. <laughs> and it's one of those pictures from Facebook that somebody takes a picture of a picture, so it's a little bit blurry. And maybe someday I'll tell you which face is mine. But, <laughs> um, but these, this was a group that I worked with at summer camp. And many of us as camp counselors, we told the story of creation using a book called Tell Me the Story by Max Lucado. And the story was called In the Beginning. And we used that story because it told of the great love that God had for his creation and for his people. You see, in this story, as we read of the process of creating, it was evident that God created out of love, out of joy, out of a delight at being in his creation and with his creation. And when the story describes how humans are created, God reaches into himself and he pulls out a part of himself and he uses that part to shape the human beings. You see, I wanted each and every child at camp to know from the very beginning of the week that they were special to God, that they were created in the image of God, and that God had a love for them that was stronger than anything else they would encounter in the world. So I used this story, which was written with a little bit of creative license, but it helped make this point that they were special to God. They were formed out of something that he pulled from inside himself. When you picture God creating humans, how do you picture that whole process happening? Now last week we spent time in this beautiful story of creation. Pastor Stacy showed us how out of this chaos God brought order and how out of all that was swirling around God pulled it all together into day and night, sky and sea, land and earth. And as our creation narrative continues, God continues to bring forth order and goodness and life. You see, there's a structure and an order to the way that the days of creation are told. There's a pattern. God creates three places and spaces. And then in the next three phases of creation, God creates things and creatures to fill them. The environment that's created will match the created content that follows. And each part of creation is a prepared space for the creatures that are going to fill it. So we see that sun, moon, and stars, they fill the light and the darkness. And we see that the birds and the fish fill the sky and the sea. And then the animals and the humans fill the land. Through this creation story, we see that God is the one who is creating, and that as God creates, he provides. Not only does God create and provide, but he has a purpose for this creation, a purpose of relationship. Humans are designed to be in relationship with creation. And we see this in verses 26 and verse 29. Genesis 126 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over all the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And we see in this, these verses that humans are designed to be the caretakers of creation. Now in Genesis 1.29, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. So we see in this verse that we draw our food from creation. We're created to be in relationship with the creation around us. But human beings are also created to be in relationship with God. Human beings aren't just another piece in this created order that God's checking off his list as he does each one. No, this beautiful story of creation, it comes to a high point in our passage today. In verses 26 through 31, as God creates humans, this is the apex of the story. This is the high point. This is why he's creating. This is who he has created. So let's read this section as Alan read so beautifully. We're going to read Genesis 1, 26 through 31, and you can follow along if you'd like. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In this creation, humans are unique. Humans are the final of God's created acts. God sets everything else in place, and then he creates humans. Now, the language of this passage, the original Hebrew language, also points to the importance of human creation. The Hebrew text uses a verb for create rather than make when speaking of humans. The use of this verb for create would suggest that God honors and respects the humans he creates, and he enjoys calling these humans into being. Human beings are created in God's likeness, and they're given responsibility over creation. This makes us different from the rest of creation. Did you know human beings are the only ones in creation that God speaks to directly? And how does Genesis describe the way we are created? Okay, so the last time I preached, I shared a literary device called a chiastic structure where a text mirrors itself. Each end points to something in the center. And I told you it was everywhere. Genesis has this too. I'm not going to walk you through a long section of it. I'm just going to show you one brief little point. A small chiastic structure in verse 27. It says, So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, God created them. This poem itself, the poetic text, is pointing us to the most important part. 
Humans are created in the image of God, in his own image. You and I, all of us, we are created in the image of God. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 5, speaks of the place of humans in God's creation. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Now for the biblical audience at the time, they would be familiar with how a near eastern king puts his likeness into his realm so that the people know who rules over them. We saw that in John. That king's statue reflects the power and presence and authority of the earthly king. So in a similar way, humans are placed in creation as the image of God the king, and humans reflect the glory of God. So for the rest of our time this morning, we are going to look at what it means to be created in the image of God. The image of God. Knowing this is at the heart of our identity as God's children. So I've got a visual organizer that's going to help us see where we're going as we talk about this image of God. First, first of all, being created in the image of God means that the image of God can be seen in all people. So let's talk first about men and women. In Genesis 1, we see that both men and women are created in God's image. It's not that men are created in God's image and then women are created in the image of men. That's not how the Bible tells it. Both men and women from the very beginning of creation together reflect the glory and the image of God. Now this also means that both genders, male and female, reflect a piece of who God is. And the Bible speaks of God with both male and female images. I'm sure you can think of many places where the Bible speaks of God using the image of a father. We say that a lot, right? Our Heavenly Father. And in Psalm 103.13, you see, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But the Bible also has passages of how God relates to God's people using the images of a mother. And how appropriate on Mother's Day, right? To take a look at some of these beautiful passages. Isaiah 66, verses 12 and 13. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And in Psalm 131, verse 2, But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. <clears throat> God, our God, is a personal God. And in both the relationship of male and creation in father relationships, and in the relationship of female and creation and mother relationships, we see a reflection of how God cares for the people, for the humans that he has created. Now, I said that our first point is that being created in the image of God means that the image of God can be seen in all people. So I want to try a little exercise with you this morning. First, I'm going to put some pictures on the screen. Okay, so when you look at these people... Do you see them as being made in the image of God? 
when I look at these people, it's very easy for me to see them as being made in the image of God. Like my son said, it's you up there. Like, that's literally pictures that look exactly like me. Maybe it's me when I was a little girl, maybe it's me when I'm an old lady, but all those people look just like me. So of course I can see the image of God in those people because I'm looking at myself. Well, let's add some more people to the picture. Now, when we look at these people, can we see them as made in the image of God? They don't all look like me anymore, but do I still see God's image in them? Then when I add a whole lot more people, and I put a lot of people up there, but nothing compared to the, you know, the billions of people in the world, do I see God's image in each of these people? We tend to see people who are like us as made in the image of God, but we struggle to see those who are different from us as made in the image of God. But if all people are made in God's image, then all people reflect the glory and beauty of God. And seeing the image of God in all people doesn't mean that we just look at people who are different from us and notice them. That is important. We need to hear the stories of people who have had a different experience than we have had. And we need to listen to the voices of those who come at life from a different angle than we come at life. And it's only in fully looking and listening and learning from this beautiful, wide mosaic of God's people made in the image of God that we can begin to see how beautiful and complex our God truly is. Now, all humans, we're all a single entity before God, right? We're all humans together, but humankind is also a community before God, and no single human alone is going to reflect the image of God. We don't see God's image mirrored fully in an individual, but we can start to see God's image mirrored more fully in a community of people. So are you in relationship with a broad spectrum of people who are going to help reveal the image of God to you? I challenge you, form relationships with people who are different from you, who look different from you, and look for how the image of God is evident in their lives. You'll find it there. And as we look at Genesis in this series, we've been looking at how the Old Testament stories open the window into God's work in Christ. How does this creation story that we're reading today, how does this point to Christ? That brings us to our second point on our visual organizer here. This idea that we're created in the image of God can be seen most clearly in Jesus Christ. Now, like I said earlier, at the time when the Bible was written, there were Near Eastern kings who put their likeness in their realm so that people would know who rules over them. And in Jesus' time, as it said in John, Roman emperors put statues of their likeness throughout the kingdom so that people would know who the king is and see the image of the king on a daily basis. That king's statue was meant to reflect the power and the presence and the authority of the earthly king. In the beginning, God put his likeness in creation in the form of living, breathing humans bearing the image of the creator king who created them. As you looked around, as creation looked around, they could see an image of the king in their midst. We know the story, though. We know that humans sinned and that none of us on our own fully reflect the image of God anymore. So in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him... 
nothing was made that has been made. So the word is Jesus, and he's there at the beginning. And if we skip to John 1.14, we read, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now God has put his Son, who was there in the beginning, in our midst. And in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Humans were created to reflect the glory of God in God's kingdom. We were put in creation as image bearers of God. We fall short, though, and the image of God that's shown to the world is sinful and incomplete. So God sends Jesus to be the image bearer that we are not. God sends Jesus and puts him in creation to be the image bearer that we are not. Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning, and he's the image of the invisible God. He's the true reflection of God, the true and pure image of God put in God's kingdom for the whole world to see. We see this language throughout the New Testament as Paul and other writers describe the work of Jesus. In Colossians 1.15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, we read, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We as humans were created in the image of God, but we're no longer a people who reflect that pure image of God. So to see God, we look to the life and person of Jesus Christ. God sent him in creation as a perfect reflection of God's image. Now there's a third dimension to being created in the image of God that I wanted to talk about this morning. Being created in the image of God means that we do continue to be image bearers to all creation. The image of God can be shown to all people in our image bearing today. We no longer do this perfectly. And sometimes we don't even do this very well, do we? Yet we're still called to be an image bearer, not of our own power, but with the help of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God and God's creation are bound together in relationship. We're created to be in relationship with God and in relationship with God's creation, and this relationship covers part of our role as image bearers. As we think about how we're called to be in relationship with God's creation, we have the opportunity to be image bearers there. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now that word rule or dominion might trip us up a little. But dominion and rule, it's not about power and exploitation and abuse. The rule that God invites us to have over creation is about looking out for the well-being of all God's creatures and helping each part of God's creation achieve its full purpose as God created it. It's like the servant leadership of Jesus. The shepherd lays down his life, and he doesn't control or lord power over the sheep. Our role is to help God's creation achieve its full purpose as God intended it to be. 
So as we think about how we're called to be in relationship with God's people, we also have the opportunity to be image bearers. And this sometimes is a little more challenging, isn't it? We are image bearers in how we interact with other people. As we demonstrate through the Holy Spirit's power in our lives the fruits of God's Spirit, people can see the image of God in us. As we show love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, people see God's image in us through those fruits, don't they? But we're image bearers in another way as well. You see, there's both a closeness and a distance in God's relationship with creation. The creation has a freedom of action, and it's never overpowered by the creator to make decisions. God never coerces his creation into being in relationship with him. There's always this gracious invitation to be in relationship with God. Never an obligation as if we are property belonging to God. Do we relate to people with that same graciousness? If we relate to people with the idea that we have ownership over them, I think that's one of the many distorted ways that we don't bear God's image in relationship with his creation. But God's grace isn't limited to our individual sins or behaviors. God relates to all of creation with grace. And so we should relate to all of creation and all of God's creatures with the same grace. God began creation as a space where he could dwell with his people, carefully crafted down to every little detail. Human beings were created as caretakers of this creation, created in the image of God. And when our image bearing was flawed through our own sin, God sent Jesus as the word made flesh. Jesus became the image bearer who fulfills the dwelling of God that was begun in creation. The grace that was there at the beginning continues to manifest itself as God sent Christ into our midst. And the grace that was there at the beginning continues to invite us to be God's image bearers in the world through the work of God's spirit. This grace has no end. When people encounter you as an image bearer of God, do they encounter the story of a God who loves them so much that God would reach into himself and pull out a piece of himself to create them? Do people walk away from an encounter with you, experiencing that God has a deep and abiding love that delights in being with them? That's our challenge and our calling today. You are created in God's image. You have Jesus to guide you to a full picture of that image, and your invitation is to share that image of God with our world today. It's a big task. Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Gracious God, we know that we are created in your image. You have made us beautiful and lovely and good. Lord, we pray that in our relationships with all those around us, we would see your image shining clearly. Lord, we pray that as we get to know others, we would see and expand our view of the image of who you are. God, thank you for sending Christ to be the perfect image in the world. We know that we cannot do this. We know that only Christ alone can show us who you truly are. But God, you do call us to still continue to bear your image in the world as we interact with your creation and with your people. And I pray, God, that as we do this, Lord, help us to be gracious with those around us. 
Help us to show your love. Help us to show your joy. Help us to show others that they value to us, so that, that they are so valued to us and to you. And we pray, Lord, that in our interactions, they would see your image reflecting back to them. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, and we pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, 